So you called us in a sermon series entitled Starting Point. I'm glad you're here. My name is Doug, and I'm one of the pastors here at Next Level Church. And, and thank you for joining us online and being a part of all that God is doing. And so Starting Point is a series for adult faith. It's, 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 about, it's for people who are new to the faith and, or exploring faith or coming back to faith. Uh, or simply growing in faith. So no matter where you are on the spectrum, we believe this series is for you because we all need to get back to the starting point. We all, if I can use a sports analogy, we all need to get back to the basics. And so we've been spending several weeks uh, to walking through and talking about things to, to really drive us back to, to what is necessary, what is important, and, and the very beginning point, a starting point of faith in Christianity. So if you remember, if you if you watched, if you haven't watched, I encourage you to go back and, and, uh, and, and watch all of our messages in this series. But the first week, we, we really asked this question, who is Jesus? Uh, because we came to the, uh, the conclusion that just because the Bible says so doesn't, isn't really substantial enough to sustain us in faith. So, so with that, we drove to eyewitness uh, encounters, people who saw Jesus, lived with him in purpose, and in, in, in lived with him during that time, wrote about their experience as an eyewitness account. And, and we realized that, that Jesus is, begins to be the focal point for that, and, and particularly his resurrection, as we begin to start it out, the starting point. So then the, the next week, we, we, we talk about this idea of mistakes, and, and we don't really, you know, if I make a mistake at work, that's one thing, but I really don't go, you know, well, I sinned at work. We don't use that uh, verbiage, and really sin is, is a word that we use uh, mostly in the, in the church world, in a religious setting, and so we, 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 we grappled with the idea, is it sin or is it just a mistake? Uh, because if it's sin, it's a way uh, heavier deal than just a mistake that I can fix. And so we, we spent that week talking about that as we're trying to wrestle through this process. And then the following week, we begin to talk about a guy named Abraham in the Old Testament. You're going, well, wait a minute. You, you just talked about Jesus. Why would you go talk about Abraham? Because when, here's what's something that God said about Abraham, that, that because he believed, it was credited to him as righteousness. And because he believed what God said, because he believed uh, he was credited as right, being in right relationship with God. And so we really, can it be that simple that as we're driving to the starting point, it's just belief. It's this element of trust. And so we, we were left with that question. Well, then the next week we kind of talked about the rules because you know the rules. Uh, everybody's got rules. And, and, and so clubs have rules and families have rules. And so, you know, if you break a rule in the club, you might get kicked out, right? You break a rule in the family, you, do you get kicked out? Well, you know, maybe if, it, if it's really bad and tough love has to come into place, then it, you might get kicked out of family. And so so the reality is, what kind of rule is it? And, and so we talked back, if you can go back and hear Pastor Clay on that, and he talked about these rules and what was really crucial for the rule and, and how that changed what the Jewish people did for 1,500 years. And so today we come back to yet another question, a question that, that I don't know that it's about on your mind, but it certainly is mine. And here's a question. What do you wish 
you could do over. I mean, you know, like, wouldn't it be nice to have a Control-Z? Yeah, absolutely, if you're a Mac user, Control-Z. Just to, you know, kind of, or just to delete all that, or to go back and, and to be able to reset to where you were. That would be awesome in life. Why? Because I don't know about you, but when I look back, I, sometimes I got regrets. And I have shame. And, and, and sometimes I, you know, I come up with great excuses. And, and so I wonder, you know, well, because of what I did in the past, can I do enough good things to overcome my past? Or I also think sometimes if, if, I, if I've done enough good things to overcome my past, i got to keep doing it, right? And so if I mess up, what's God going to do with me because of what I did in the past? And I carry that guilt and I carry that shame. I mean, you know, you know the excuses. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody does. Nobody's perfect. I mean, I, it was, you know, I did that when I was drunk, or, or I did that uh, when I was lonely. I, I did that when, when I was desperate and jobless. I did that when I was young and dumb and naive. You know, I mean, we can come up with a hundred million reasons of why we did it. And then we can also go, you know, I know why I did it, and so I'm not going to fall into that pothole again, right? Because I made that mistake once, I'm not going to make it again. And so we can fix it going forward, but I'm still left with the regrets. See, I, I mean, listen, I don't know about you, I made a bonehead choice, stupid choice. I blamed it on my father's death. I blamed it on, well, you know, I'm running from God now. And in the wake of that decision, I hurt people. I nearly hurt one person. I ended up hurting my mama. I hurt myself. And yeah, I carry that shame. And I've struggled with it for years. And I don't know if you've got a, a story like that, but today I'm hoping that, that, that we can kind of get a re-figure out where this redo is. You see, mistakes are, are, are not mistakes. They're, they're really sin. Sin messes up my relationship to God. And so I've got to ask this question what can wash away my sin? What can take it away? What can take away? And before you answer, some of you may go, yeah, I know that answer. I got that answer. Just hang on just a minute. Because I'm not sure that we have that answer. Because, see here, some of us, some of us are compelled. Man, I just, I'm trying to figure out how, much, how many good things I can do, and if I do enough good things, then, then I'm going to be okay with God. There's some of us in that room. We haven't answered this question. There's some of us who get really, really upset when other people aren't doing right. Because we know if we don't do right, 
God's going to zap us. And so we haven't answered this question either. So I want to take some time and answer this question. And I, and I want to talk about a couple of eyewitnesses to Jesus. Uh, one of them's name is John. John was one of the 12 disciples. He followed Jesus. And, and he wrote a book that, that, uh, that is recorded. It's a letter that he wrote. It's in the Bible. It's called the book of John. He also wrote a couple other books called 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But in the, what we refer to as the Gospel of John, John was writing and he wrote about a dude that was named John the Baptist. And the only reason he named John the Baptist is because he was a guy that went around baptizing people. And, and he was a very unique individual and he wrote about him. And so here's, here's what he had to say. There was a man named John who was sent by God. He came to tell people about the light through him, all people could hear about the light and believe. So he's, he's talking about the light. Who's the light? Well, the light's Jesus. And then he went on to say, John was not the light, no. But he came to tell people about the light. And that's what John was doing. He was out in, in, uh, near the Jordan River. He was out in the wilderness. He was hanging out out there, and he was preaching. I don't know. Who's he preaching out to? Uh, the, the wolves? I don't know, but people started coming. People heard about John, and they started coming. Here's what Mark, another eyewitness, here's what he had to say about it. And people from Judea, including everyone from Jerusalem, came out to John. Everyone? Really? Everybody from left Jerusalem and headed? Hey, listen, man, this was like a day walk. It took them all day to get to where John was. And people went in droves as word got out. And what did they do? They confessed the bad things they had done, and he baptized them. They would confess, because what? He was preaching. And what was he preaching? He was preaching a word called repentance, which simply means to turn away. To turn away. Turn away from what you're doing, and turn to what God's doing, because something is coming. Someone is coming that's going to change your life. And so he was preaching. And he baptized them in the Jordan River. Now, a bunch of people, as you said, from Jerusalem came. Some of those people from Jerusalem are called religious rulers. Pharisees, if you're familiar with that word. That's just simply a religious ruler of the day, a Jewish ruler. And so they came and they made that day-long trip because they had some questions and, and John writes about those questions. And let me summarize a couple of verses, about six verses. They come to him and he said, are you the Messiah? He said, no, I'm not. But I need to let you know I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. The Messiah was this anointed one, this chosen one of God, who was going to come and, and, and be this uh, new savior for the people. John said, I'm not the guy, but I'm preparing the way for a guy. And you think I can draw a crowd? You wait till you see what he does. And then they pressed him a little bit farther. He said, but why are you baptizing? Why do you, have, why do you think you have the authority? You're not a religious ruler. Why do you think you have the authority to baptize people? Because you see, Jewish people, uh, were in the, that was normal to be baptized, to, to baptize coming into the Jewish faith. They were used to seeing that by people. And this is what 
John had to say, John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one you don't know. This is that coming one. You don't know him. He's there. He's around you. I mean, can you imagine? Pharisees going, man, did, did I see him? Where's he at? Where's he at? Who is he? Who is he? Where's he at? Where's he at? John said, he's out there. You just don't know him. He's the one who comes after me, and the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. What does that mean? That means that John was very humble, and he recognized that he was a servant to the one that God was sending. So here, here they are. They're all together. John's baptizing, has this conversation, and the next day after this conversation, John sees Jesus. Look what he said. He said, he said, he saw Jesus and he said, look, look. He said to everybody that was around him, look, look. The Lamb of God, not the sheep of God, not the, 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 all the animals of God, but the Lamb of God. And the minute he said Lamb, everybody knew. 1,500 years, they knew what a lamb meant. 1,500 years, they had, had been sacrificing lambs to cover their sin. They'd been sacrificing animals. And I know that's really weird, this blood thing. I don't want to get too much into it just yet. And John said, the lamb of God. Look, the lamb of God. Who takes away. He takes it away. He, he, he doesn't just cover it up. You see, the blood of animals, everybody knew the blood of animals could only cover up sin. It didn't take it away. It's kind of like that shame me and you carry, right? We feel like we can cover it up, but, but what takes it away? It's the Lamb of God who takes away what? The sin. That sin, he takes away. He doesn't just cover it up. He takes it away. Takes away the sin of you Jews, of you, you Romans, you Gentiles. Gentiles are people who are not Jews. You, me. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow, that's what John the Baptist had to say. Now, by the way, don't, John the Baptist, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four eyewitness accounts refer to this guy named John the Baptist. There's also a Jewish historian named Josephus that writes about, Josephus not a Christian, but he writes about John the Baptist. And I don't know, a little fun fact, the Koran the book of Islam, the, the sacred book of Islam, refers to John the Baptist too. Real dude. That's what he said. Wow. Now, about a year later, Jesus is hanging around and he's having lunch with, with a, lot of, a lot of people who are not religious people at all. Matter of fact, they would be classified as, you know, the sinners. These are the bad people uh, in, in the Jewish faith. The tax collectors, he's hanging out with them. And the religious leaders said, man, why in the world, why in the world is, are you hanging out with a bunch of people who don't know God? Why are you hanging around with a bunch of bad people? Look what he said. I came to seek to save that 
which was lost. To save. To save. Jesus said that about himself. He declared, this is what I came to do. Oh, man, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? How are you going to prove that you can save? How are you going to prove that? That you can relinquish the sin? How are you going to do that? Well, again, about a year and a half later, the night before he's crucified, he's hanging out with his disciples and they're, and they're eating this meal called the Passover meal. Now, you can go back and you can listen to Pastor Clay's message about uh, the whole Passover deal because he was dealing with the rules. And the rules came into effect after a relationship. And the relationship was built on this, the fact that, here's the, the fact that, but beforehand, God told Moses, God told Moses, hey, go tell the people, here's what you're supposed to do tonight. There have been all these miracles, all these miraculous signs, hell and, and, and locusts and, and darkness and all kinds of stuff. Why? Because God's going to set free the Jewish people who've been in slavery for four, over 400 years. He's going to set them free. And the one last plague that hit the Egyptians was called death. And God told Moses, here's what's going to happen, Moses. I'm going to send this angel of death. And he's going to kill the firstborn in all the families. Now, what's important is that my people be protected. So here's what they need to do. They need to go get a lamb. They need to sacrifice a lamb. They need to take the blood. And they need to paint it on the doorpost. Hang with me. Can you imagine Moses telling everybody, hey, this is what's going to happen. And you need to do this. And can you, the people going, what the heck are you talking about? You've got to be a lunatic. Blood, doorpost, angel of death. I ain't never seen angel of death. What are you talking about? They didn't understand, but you know what? They did it. Just like Abraham. Pastor Clay talked about Abraham. Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteous. He didn't understand that he was going to be this father of all these nations. He didn't understand that, that at 100 years old that he and his wife, who was 100 years old too, could have a baby. He didn't understand any of that. But he believed it. And it was credited to him as right. He trusted it. And that's exactly what the, the Jewish people did. They trusted that this was the right thing to do, and they did it. They didn't understand it, but they did it. And the angel of death passed over them, and then every year, that yes, they were set free. And every year after that, they had this celebration called the Passover. Maybe you've heard of it. The Passover. And they have a special meal the night of the Passover, they have this special meal where they, they take a lamb and, they, and, they, and, 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 and then they have the, the food there and there's other food involved. There's herb, bitter herbs and things like that to remember the time in the wilderness. But, but more significantly, they have, they have bread to represent the manna and then they have the wine which represented the blood of the lamb. And so, catch back up, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples having this Passover meal, which is a very Jewish thing to do. And he takes the bread. And instead of talking about the manna that God provided in the wilderness, look what he said. He said, this is my body. This is my body given for you. When you do this, remember me. 
fuck, wait a minute, you mean Jesus' body's provision? But more significantly, and for our conversation, he took the cup, and instead of talking about the Passover lamb, look what he said. He said, this cup, the wine, and this cup is the new covenant. It's a new covenant. That means the old covenant that was set up by, by all those animals, sacrificial animals, and, and doing all the rules and regulations, that, that, that covenant doesn't exist anymore. I came to fulfill that covenant. That covenant is no longer, I have a, a new covenant. And it's a covenant not in your works, not in what you can do, but in my blood. New covenant. In my blood, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. That is, he takes it away. Don't you imagine that, that right when the, he heard it, the disciples had either heard, a couple of disciples were there when John the Baptist said his, that phrase. Other disciples heard people talk about it. Couldn't you imagine that right in that moment they heard John the Baptist say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 20 years later, Paul tried to describe this. Paul was a church planter, and he, and he would go and he would plant a church, and then he would leave that town and go to another town and start another church. Oh, he left leadership in place, and he'd go to a town and start another church, and then he would write back to the, where he planted a church. So he went to this city called Colossae, and we have this letter in the New Testament that, that is now in the New Testament called Colossians. And so he's writing to the Colossians about this. Why? Because the Colossians were, were, were uh, Gentiles. They didn't know about the Jewish faith that, as, and they didn't understand all those nuances. And so he's writing back to them to explain to them because he's heard they've had questions about it. And here's what he said. God made you alive with Christ. That is, when you, when you believed, when you trusted, you, when you trusted that which you did not understand, but you trusted. When you trusted, you, you became alive. You had a new life. You once were dead. You thought you were alive, but you're not. You believed. And because you believed, because you trusted, you, you now have a, you're alive. You're alive with Christ. And what? He forgave. He forgave what? All. He forgave all of our sin. It's a cheesy phrase. It's a, all means all, and that's all that all means. But it's very applicable because he forgave what? Just some of them? What? Some of the little ones, but not the big ones? No, he forgave all the sins. Having what? He canceled, his blood canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. What does that mean? It means that sin had to be accounted for. And in the, in the Old Testament, as we understand it, the covenant was established. Here's how you do your sin. It's accountable. The only way you can find forgiveness of sin is to have a sacrifice. Sacrifice whose blood, in essence, covers that sin, but it only does it for a short period of time, and it doesn't take it away. So you've got to keep doing it over and over and over again. He says, now, now, this forgiveness, this blood... Cancels the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us, and it condemned us. That's where the guilt and shame. Listen, you carrying guilt and shame? It's because we haven't found the forgiveness of what Jesus has to offer. Why? Because he takes that away. He takes it away. 
why he's taken away, why he nailed it to the cross. He nailed it to the cross. See, here's the deal. Jesus came to this world. He was God's son. He came to this world. He died on the cross for a very specific reason. Very specific reason. So that his blood could come out of his body. I know, I know. That's weird. I get it. I'm not asking you to understand the weirdness of it. I'm just stating a fact. And the fact is that his blood that was shed on that cross, I can use that word shed, that poured out, it's that blood that cleanses us. Now, the only way he proved that his death was valid for that was his resurrection. Yeah, that proved it all. But his blood, he died on the cross, he nailed, and when he, he, nailed, he nailed our sin to that cross, and the blood covered it and took it away took it away, carried it. There's a, there's a word in the Greek, just taken away means to carry, to take, to take up, to pick up and move away. And it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It's been taken away. So what can wash away my sin? What can wash away my guilt? What can wash away my shame? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, here's some truth. You don't have to forgive yourself because yourself has already been forgiven. That's right. Yourself has already been forgiven. The moment that, that, that you believe and trust, like Abraham, trust, like the Jewish people, when you trust what was done for you, you are forgiven. It's been done. It's taken away. When you trust that, it is done. It is finished. So what's your role? What's my role? My role is to trust that Jesus' blood takes away our sin. Your sin, my sin. To trust that Jesus' blood takes away our sin. So what does it mean? What does it, what does it take to trust? What does it take to get to that trust? What does it get, take to get to that point to trust? It takes turning, turning and trusting what Jesus did for us. It, it, turning. Turning away from what you think is right and even wrong. And turning to trusting what Jesus did for you. It's, it's turning away from the idea that there's no free lunches in this world today. And trusting what Jesus did for you. It's the idea that we turn away from us being in control. You know, we're the boss. We call our shots. We know what's good and perfect for us. We turn away from that and we trust in what Jesus did for us. It's turning away from the idea that I can do enough good things. Turning away from that, doing good things to trusting that Jesus' blood cleanses me, it restores me into a relationship with God. 
It's turning away from preconceived ideas, intellectual thoughts and stumbles that are there, things that we don't understand, turning away from deconstruction of what is our faith, turning away from simply being hurt by people in a church and trusting, trusting, just like Abraham. He didn't understand it, just like the Jewish people in the Passover didn't understand it, but they trusted. Turning from where we are, thinking I've got life, and I really don't, and trusting what Jesus did for me, for you. You see, that's my role. That's your role. To turn away and to trust. If you happen to be in the Christian tradition that turn away, that's the word repent. Don't get lost in it. It just means to turn away. To turn away and to trust. To turn away and to trust. I don't understand how Jesus came into this world. I don't understand that he was God's son. I don't understand that he had to die on a cross. I don't get that blood thing. I don't understand all that. But there's some eyewitnesses who talk about it. And they believed it changed their life so much so that they were willing to die for it. And I just wonder today if you would turn away from where you are and turn to trust what Jesus did for you, to trust that his blood is what saves you. His blood restores your relationship with God. His blood gives you new life. Can you trust that? Can you put your understanding what I don't understand and go, I don't understand it, but I trust it. I take a step of faith and I trust it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Jesus died for us and we're thankful for that. And I want to pray for each and every person that's watching. And maybe today is the day, this is the moment that they turn away from wherever they are to turn to trust your son Jesus. It starts by verbalizing it. And then it continues on in a process of taking steps, and growing, but it starts by verbalizing to you that they trust and believe. And so I pray that there are some people out there who are watching. You're here. You're here now. And that you would simply pray a prayer to verbalize it. God, 
I trust in Jesus' blood. I don't understand it, but I trust and I believe. And I stand with Abraham and I stand with all the Jewish people and I stand even with the 12 disciples to say, I don't understand, but I trust and I believe that Jesus' blood washes away my sin, restores my relationship with you, and gives me a new life because I turn away from what was and I turn to what is. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer, super excited for you. I'd love to, to reach out to you and, and to help you along the way. A couple of things you could do, a couple of ways to, to reach back to us. One, you can go to our website, scroll to the bottom. There's an email address there. Click that. You could also just email me, Doug I, D-O-U-G-I at nextlevelchurch.org. I'd love to share some thoughts with you don't want to beat your door down in any way shape or form no matter where you live but you begin a new life and those are those next steps of trusting in Jesus and we're excited as we are discovering the starting point of faith and growing in relationship to God you guys have a great day thank you Hey, thank you again for being with us today, and we hope and pray that, that you've benefited some way, some, somehow, from this message, and, and we hope and pray that your life has been touched. And if it has, could you do us a favor? Could you simply share this with some friends or simply like us? And, and, and that way, it gets the message out to other people who are just like you and looking for the things that, and the way that we're talking about it. And, and so help us out by sharing with us. Now, Here's another thing you need to know. This is just a fact that people have given money to make this happen right here and right now. And because of their gift, your life has been impacted in a, in a strong way. And so here's what we're asking. If, you, if you've been impacted, pay it forward. Would you like to give? You could simply go to our website. You could click give. You could give there and, and you could enable somebody else uh, to, to experience exactly what you're experiencing. Now, as we head out for this week, my hope and prayer that, that we will live in this thought that He forgave us. He forgave us all. He forgave all the sin. He forgave us. He canceled our charge of indebtedness which stood against us. He nailed it to the cross and He gave us a brand new life. You guys have a great week. Thank you.